0: Hey, it's Zach, and I wanted to tell you about our newest podcast, Swagoo and Perk. Oh, boy. Led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears. He's Swagoo, obviously. and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, who yells at me all the time. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Swagoo and Perk will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as look inside their lives with can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. I'm going to tell you, editorially, you will not stop laughing throughout the whole episode. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast live on a beautiful autumn Monday morning on the East Coast where it's time to talk about rookies. We're about two plus weeks into the NBA season. This rookie class has been a lot of fun. And to help us discuss and dissect how they are playing, the guy who knows them better than anyone before they come into the league and is watching them progress like you know, like students in his class almost. Mr. Mike Schmitz, how are you? I'm good, Zach. I'm I'm proud of my my pupils so far this year. They're they're living up to expectations. Well, I'll tell you right now, the guy we're going to start with. This is a bad day for anyone who doesn't want me to be irrationally exuberant about Evan Mobley. So this is a bad day because last night against the Knicks, Evan Mobley just had me giggling the entire game. 11 of 15 from the floor, two of four uh, from three. He's averaging 15 eight. And two and a half assists per game this season on 52% shooting. Only four, 17 from threes, 56% on twos. He's like number one or two or three in basically every advanced stat there is for rookies. Number two in points per game. And let me tell you this, Mike. The thing that got me most excited last night, of all the Evan Wobley highlights, the defense is just outrageous for a rookie. Down the stretch, Knicks trying to claw their way back into it. Jared Allen and Mobley are on the floor in this 4-5 thing that everyone is going to work Is there going to be enough spacing. Back-to-back possessions. Evan Mobley sets a screen for Garland. Short roll. Catches the ball at the foul line. First one. First one. Looks at Jared Allen for the high-low. Fools the whole defense. No look pass to Garland. I guess it must have been somebody else handling the ball up top. No look pass to Garland in the corner for a three. Next possession. Same play. Same scheme. Doesn't throw the pass to the corner. Instead, one dribble draws the defense. Bounce past Jared Allen. Dunk. Oh baby, this is a, is this even better than advertised? Like, so you watched him coming into the league. What's different than you expected already at this stage? It's really the scoring that's
1: surprised me the most. We knew he could do everything else, okay? He can switch, pick, and roll. He protects the rim. He can handle. He can pass. Like, we compared him to a young Anthony Davis and a young Chris Bosch for a reason, but I didn't expect him to go into Madison Square Garden and score 26 points. I didn't expect him to go into Staples Center, kind of a homecoming, and score 23 points against Anthony Davis and the Lakers. I think the thought with Evan was always... He's a blender. He's a connector. He moves the ball. He does all the little things. Like maybe he's your second or third option when he's at his best, right? But he's their number. I mean, he's arguably their best player. And, and the fact that he can go get you 26 points. This is too much, Mike. It's too much for me this morning. <laughs> it's too much.
0: He's their best player. He's I'm just like, I need you to talk me down because it's just too much. It's too much. Well, I, here's the thing I'm usually
1: Mr okay, let's not do a redraft after five minutes, right? Let's wait, you know, a year, two years. No, no,
0: I'm already ready to do it. I'm already, keep going, (laughs) I'm
1: already. But this seems a, a little bit different. And, you know, I was able to watch Evan since he was, I mean, I live in LA, I live in California. He played high school ball not too far from here. I was at pretty much every USC home game. And I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot, like, Why, why didn't we talk about him as like the unquestioned number one now? Okay. I'm still a kid Cunningham diehard. I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to be just fine. And I think he's going to be a stud in his own right. Um, But there were questions about Evans aggressiveness. Um, You know, I was at a game when he took zero shots, I believe against against Utah. But
0: it's just – it's a different game in Did the Cavs pay him off to take zero? I guess it was probably the draft order was not set, obviously, by them. But I'm like, how could he take zero shots
1: where teams – There's no space. Okay, first of all, there's no space in college. Everybody's doubling him. And Evan's, like, so unselfish and such a nice person that he wants to make the right play. He wants to win. He wants to make everyone around him better. And so you didn't always see this, like, aggressive – Um, you know, dominant type of personality. And then you sit down with him. He's like the nicest kid on the planet. Like you wonder if he was too nice. And, you know, I did a film session, sit down with him like a week or so ago when he was out here in LA. And he hasn't changed at all since I first interviewed him in in 2018. He's just this like pleasant, happy-go-lucky guy who's, you know, doesn't really have a lot of like aggression in his voice. So his skeptics would say, you know, is he an alpha? is he uh is he and everybody doesn't need to be isaiah stewart right and and ground and pound and run through a brick wall he's skilled enough to get by more than get by you know with his length and his feel and his touch and yeah man he's been incredible um the Cavs got one they got a franchise building block he looks like a borderline all-star right now so i think you're right to be giddy um, and I'm excited about what he can be even in the future because the whole thing with Evan was okay, what is he going to be in three, four years? Not like, is he going to be this right now? So
0: he's way, ahead, way, way, way ahead of schedule. They're running a regular four or five pick and rolls with Mobley as the ball handler. And last night against the Knicks, one of them got a switch. So Mitchell Robinson switched onto him. I and mean, later in the possession, he got the ball three point arc on the right wing against Mitchell Robinson and roasted him so badly off the dribble that it was like oh, oh my god he can do this to centers or and just dunked on the entire Knicks team um it's and and look defensively he's absolutely as advertised like he can do everything defensively and the tell for that is like when guards get him on a switch you could, and these are like good guards, mm-hmm. good guards. Like, all right, I got Evan Mobile on switch. You know what? Uh, where's Jared Allen's <laughs> guy? Let me bring him up to set up screen. Cause I don't like this one in front of me. This one's, this one's trouble. Give me a bigger, slower guy. Cause I can't do anything with this guy. The the, the the look he's 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 playing some power forward and some center and when he plays center he becomes this dynamic lob threat that he can't mm-hmm. really be when he's a four. but as soon as they shift him to center they're running you know empty side pick and rolls for him where you can catch lobs and he's and his passing gets even more dangerous the question I have it's it's not even a question but you know down the line can he post up switches is something I'm going to be watching every game. I know it's early. The Cavs are playing with this is all just free money for the Cavs. I mean, there's no stakes for them this year, really, at this point. Uh, so it doesn't, and he's so young, it doesn't matter. But that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me because he can't really back people down. He can dribble. He's got a little touch. That's that's something. Um, is it too early for me to be watching for that? Maybe it's too early.
1: No, I mean, it's been a question for him you know, I think most of his career, I mean, I was at the Clipper game and they switched everything like they usually do. And and Reggie Jackson was pushing him out like beyond the three point line, you know, and, and it was, and I asked him about that. I was like, okay, is this the next evolution of your game? Like what, what should you guys do in these situations? And he gave me a very smart answer. He's like, listen, let's not just try to like, pound the ball into me. He's like that's not my game. Move it to the other side and let's play offense, you know? And so he knows he's not this like imposing physical back you down type of force, but I still think that is a question. Like if you switch him, you can move him off his spots and how can he go get you a bucket?
0: But everything else is is unbelievable, man. Like this- I'm just bring I'm just bringing that up to temper my yeah, my, yeah, no, my giggly. I'm I'm like a giggly schoolgirl about Evan Mobley. I'm I'm <laughs> like I'm like at a Beatles concert in 1964. I'm so excited. I can't help myself. And I will say this: you mentioned redrafting and how it's never too it's too early to have the redrafting conversation. You're all in on Cade, and Cade. You know, I was talking to a front office guy last week about about Cade and about a lot of other things, and he said, you know, one of the things that was interesting about Cade Cunningham is that when you talked to his cohort in the draft they would all say, this guy just has it. Like, whatever it is that makes other people better, that people want to play with him, that drives winning, like, he was the guy they all looked up to in that sense. It's like almost like a level above them. But I will say this, and I have to, I'll have, i just leave it here for now. I don't think the noise before the draft about Detroit not being 100% sure they were taking Cade Cunningham, I don't think that was BS. I don't think it was a smokescreen. And I think the other name was Evan Mobley. I'll just, that that's what I will say. Yeah, and
1: it was tough to evaluate because this draft really, at least at the time, we viewed it as having three number one type of picks, you know. And Jalen Green obviously hasn't quite lived up to that yet. I think he's probably a little bit more long term, clearly, than than even Evan. Um, But, you know, Cade didn't have this like amazing pre-draft process he was a little bit dinged up even during summer league you know and and he's always been like a slow burn you know he's not somebody where you just roll out the balls like okay evan mobley you see him handling the ball running around you know blocking shots switching shooting threes like that pops you know like right away you say oh that's a guy, Jalen Green. You see him like dunking on the way up and making step back threes over Anthony Davis, and you're like, "Oh, okay." That's what they look like with Cade. It, you're not blown away by the explosiveness. You're not blown away by you know his like ball handling or this flashy style. It's more like he's gonna lull you to sleep. He's going to wait until the moment is greatest, and then he's going to rise to the occasion. And then you're going to look down. He's got 25, 5, and 5, and they're going to win. And so that's why I think we need to be a little bit patient with Cade. You know, um, I
0: shouldn't write him off after four games. I, should, no, I, should, I, should, I shouldn't do that.
1: Isn't that crazy, how, you know, how, how you shouldn't? I mean, people want to, like, like, like he's a bust. Like, come on. He, is that, he, no, that's not a real thing, is it? I mean, I don't know. I got to stop reading the internet. This is what my thing is. I, I mute a lot of people, and I think I need to just keep hitting the mute button and, and stay off the, the interwebs. Because I mean, come on. He's coming off of an ankle. He's missing open shots, but when he's on the court, like the ball is moving. You you, you can tell that he's already making them a better basketball team, and those shots are going to start falling. And I think he's going to look like the number one pick sooner than later.
0: That's interesting. All right, so let's just talk. I'm done with Mobley. Let's talk about Cade Cunningham, who has played four games. Four. Four games. 11 points a game, six rebounds, three assists. The shooting numbers may hurt your ears, but I'm going to say them anyway. 23% from the floor, 14% on threes, which is four of 28, and 32% on twos. Needless to say, Mike, that's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is last or close to last in every advanced stat that there is it's it's funny there's a bucket of rookies and there's this species of rookies every year that people have a hard time evaluating in in both ways they put up big raw numbers horrible efficiency numbers because they have big roles on bad teams and that bucket this year is Cade Cunningham so far four games again Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green are all, like, at the bottom of all the advanced stats. They're all going to average, like, 15 a game because their teams are horrible and they get to do whatever they want. Um, Cade is not getting to the basket much. Uh, he's not getting to the foul line much. He's getting to the foul line a little bit. Um, he looks sometimes a little tentative when he drives on the pick and roll. Like, he'll pull it up one, one dribble early. But, again, he's just starting. You can see the combination of size and vision like he can make the passes he knows the reads he looks comfortable with the ball like I don't I mean well I don't know I'm I'm just I'm interested I'm just still in the curiosity phase obviously what what have you it's again it's only been four games and he was um he was really the first two were a little discouraging the next two although he hasn't shot it that well 10 of 34 in his last two games but 35 total points have been a little more encouraging have you seen anything notable yet either positive or negative yeah, like,
1: like I said, I think a lot of his shots just aren't falling. Like it's, it's even like swing, swing, wide open threes that he regularly knocks down or little touch shots, you know, around the rim um, that aren't falling. I mean, I was encouraged by the fact that, you know, you saw the way he moved Kevin Durant um, and, and just got right to the rim and finished. You saw the way he used his body to dislodge James Harden, who's, yeah, like, okay, not the world's greatest defender, but he's It's he, hard to dislodge. Big, yeah, big guys so- can't dislodge him. Right. So that shows you a little bit of his strength, right? That he can get where he needs to go on a spaced NBA floor. Um, So when the shots start falling, when those little floaters and touch shots start falling, um, I think you're going to see a much different player. And so, and I like the way, like, listen, they're not great okay (laughs) like that's putting it lightly they have a lot of areas to improve but you can tell the ball is moving a lot more i think when they put it in his hands it's not as stagnant it's not as just iso iso basketball like they're playing a better brand of basketball so i think as they continue to surround him with shooting um he's going to become even more dynamic so Yeah, it's ugly right now. Um, But again, we need to be patient with him because even last year, like he's the type of guy who, when you looked at his first half stats against his second half stats, he would go one for six in the first half with two points and two assists and just kind of feel out the game and be all right, where where can I attack? Where are their weak points? Who do I need a spoon feed? How do I feel this out? And then in the second half, it's like 20 points, five assists, five rebounds, game winner. Um, Like he has that clutch gene if you look at his numbers in the last like two minutes of every game he was one of the best players in the country um so i think that's where we need to be patient because he is kind of a feel things out type of guy i did i
0: did think it was just a little bit funny just just a little bit i watched his first game. i've watched i think three of his four games start to finish i watched his first game very excited as was everybody i did think it was just a little funny how the detroit media went so overboard Being like, yeah, he only had two points and two assists on one of eight shooting. But if you guys watch the game, the way he impacts the game, he found other ways to impact the game. The couple of deflections, threw some nice extra passes. I mean, just forget the numbers for a second. The guy impacts winning. And it's like, you can just say he had an underwhelming debut. Like, it's, it's okay. Like, you can just say, you don't have to, like, fake build it up. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I do think the who should be the number 1 pick in this draft will be an interesting conversation for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um but to your point about the passing, the pa- I just I'm a sucker for passing plus height. And there was this one play I can't remember which game it was where Olinick had a mismatch in the post and went and went to the block and the, the other team fronted him mm-hmm. and The weak side corner defender, like, crept in a little bit to just help on the lob, right? Cade had the ball, and immediately, no hesitation. Like, sometimes guys need someone to flash to the foul line for a high-low. He just whipped the ball to that corner shooter who probably missed. I don't remember. It's the Pistons. But it was this pass. It was just instant, accurate, like, I'm 6'6". I don't need any middleman to do this. Boom. And I will say, I mean, God only knows which of these players will be on the Pistons when they're good again. I like the theory... Of Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, one, two, three, because they're all kind of big. They can all like handle and pass, and Sadiq Bay, people. I mean, he's he's had a nice second season, and he's mean. Like he he is driving into dudes with force and like knocking them backwards with a mean streak. That's that I really like. And again, it's they're just a theoretical team at this point. I think Killian Hayes is is frankly should be as much source of anxiety as Cade Cunningham is after four games, if not more, but I, I can see the theory, what it translates to. I don't know. Well, and here's what I'll say about Cade too. Um,
1: just in terms of like circling back to how his peers view him, like there's a reason why, um, on the USA U-19 team. Jalen Green was on that team. Evan Mobley, he was a little dinged up. He was on that team. Tyrese Halliburton was on that team. And Cade was by far the best player on the court every single, almost every single game. Um, And then you look at his teammate at Montverde, Scotty Barnes, who I love. I'm sure he's next, he's next Toronto fans, don't worry. I love Scotty Barnes, but he was the best player on maybe the best high school team that, that we've ever seen. Like Cade has always been the best player. And he's always like, I think he's going to be a triple double guy in the NBA. Like I, I really I do love it. I love it. Um, so don't sell your Cade Cunningham stock, please, please, please. I'm begging you. Evan Mobley is a stud. I'm, I'm with that 100%. But Cade, as those jumbo playmakers, they're hard to find. And I think he has all the ingredients to be a star, just kind of a slow burn because he's so skill based.
0: your team call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package quinn snyder once used an expression to me in an interview about a player i don't even remember which player but it was about a player who who had a nice blend of patience and feel for a young guy and he said I like his basketball nervous system. I, that, I always like, liked that quote. And that quote to me applies hugely to Scotty Barnes, who I want to go with next, but also applies to Cade Cunningham. He doesn't seem affected by missing shots. He doesn't seem affected by the pace of the game around him or what's going on around him. He just has a nice, calm confidence and feel that I think will serve him. Well, let's get to Scotty Barnes because, oh, my God, Scotty Barnes. 16.5 points a game, that's number one among rookies. 8.7 rebounds, 2.5 assists on 52% shooting, just 20% on threes. He's 2 of 10 on threes, 55% overall. He's number three, number two, number one in almost every advanced stat there is. Rookie of the year right now is Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley. I would vote for Evan Mobley, but if you would like to vote for Scotty Barnes, that is fine. He can guard every position. He defended James Harden okay last night against Brooklyn. By the way, I don't know if you saw that game, Mike. That was the most Harden Harden has looked. He, he yes. had some burst and explosion back. He blew by some guys. He was drawing two and three defenders regularly. Like That was a very positive step for James Harden against a defense that is just, frankly, annoying as hell to play mm-hmm. against. And Scotty Barnes is part of that. He can grab and go off of rebounds. And like the nervous system thing, it comes to mind because everyone knows the jumper is a question mark. So when he has the ball, people go under picks against him. And he just doesn't care. He just, like, kind of keeps going. Like, eh, maybe I'll use another screen. I'm surveying the floor. Okay, that guy's over there. That guy's leaning this way. Oh, you went under again because you don't respect me. That's fine. I'm kind of getting my way down. Oh, boom, pass. Backdoor cutter. Pass. You guy. And he's directing cutters. Like, you cut this way and that shooter will be open. Pass. Just a good nervous system. Has has his, like, 16 and a half, that has to be a surprise that he's scoring that much, right? Like, what, and what about how he's getting that has stood out to you? It's 100% a, a surprise.
1: And I was the biggest Scotty Barnes fan that you'll find. Like, I, I've been fortunate enough to be around him since he was he's 15. He's one of my favorite prospects I've ever spent time with. Like, his joy for the game, his joy for people. And I call him the people's champ because everybody everybody loves Scotty Barnes, everyone in the world. Everyone who's coached him, everyone who's played with him, played against him, he's, oh, Scotty's my guy. That's what you hear. Um, but the question with Scotty has always been scoring. Like, because, and, and not just, okay, can he score, but also, like, is he willing to score? Is he aggressive enough to score? Um, and so I think he's benefited from obviously the spacing on an NBA floor, um, the way that they're playing and small and, and really kind of just telling him like, we want you to be aggressive. I mean, you've heard Nick nurse, even in press conferences being like, okay, that's not aggressive enough. Like we need more from Scotty. We need, we want him to take even more shots because it's in his nature to be a giver. And that's why I almost thought, okay, he's going to be this like much rangier um longer draymond green type of like he's gonna get he can really pass he's gonna get everyone involved he can really defend he can play all five positions but i'm not sure he's ever going to be wired to score and so i'll, I'll tell you kind of a, a funny story about that even in the pre-draft process so i went up to santa barbara to watch him where he was working out and um you know very uh, regimented in his approach 8 a.m was on it every single day And uh, the guy he was training with at the, who's now an assistant coach at at Louisville, Ross McMains, um, total stud. And so he, he's telling me this, this drill that they have, it's called, uh, I want to say 25 perfect is the name for it. Something along those lines. And he would have every single player visualize for like 30 seconds. Okay. Visualize yourself scoring 25 points. Right. And then go out on the court. And we're going to have, you know, people helping and and you can pass the ball to and stuff and then get to each spot and score those 25 points against like dummy defense. Right. Um, And and so it's, you know, training your mind to score 25 points in a game. And (laughs) he was telling me, like, Scotty, it took him a while to even conceptualize scoring 25 points in an empty gym. He's like, wait a minute. Like, I need a little bit more time. Like, I got to figure out. And then he would ask, but do assists count? Like, can I get? Can I? But if I kick to the corner, like, and he makes a three, like, does, are you does trying
0: to? Are you trying to stoke my irrational affection for Scotty Barnes? He did not <laughs> actually ask, do assist count. I, if if I had overheard him asking, do assist count, I would be like, I'm drafting him now. Now, yes. I'm drafting him right now.
1: It's a true story. That that is Scotty Barnes 101. And, and so, as endearing as that is, on one hand, right. On the other hand, it's like, okay, he's he's so far in, in his mind from like being this aggressive score that's just it was never been in his nature if you think about it he played with Cade Cunningham and Dayron and Sharp and, and Moses Moody he was kind of like the connector you on that you can't
0: say team. Moses Moody on this podcast without also saying Meezy Moody Moody Madi <laughs> Moody Mooses just that that's the rule
1: shout out perk I need one of those shirts I I, I didn't get the look on on that one but um And then in in college, he comes off the bench and and he's a guy who is just kind of a a blender. Um, Even before the Moody Moses, Moody Moses days in high school, he played with Vernon Carey and, and he was kind of like a facilitator defender on that team. So, yes, long answer short or short answer long. Um, I'm surprised that he's been scoring the ball this well, but I think that speaks to his aggressiveness, his mentality change, and then also like the mid-range game, the floaters, the physicality, the length. Like the mid-range is, is new for him. And 45% he's-
0: so far on both floater range and long twos. 71% at the rim and mm-hmm. 40% of his shot attempts are coming at the rim. For a Toronto team that is not like overflowing and spacing and shooting right now, let's put it that way. Yeah, and he – people used to – listen, he's not this, like,
1: hyper-fast guy, you know? He's not this, like, okay, he needs a little bit of time to to get moving. But those strides – like, people used to call him slow and unathletic when he was young. Like, that was – it's almost similar to – things that they would say about about Giannis. Like when Giannis was coming up, it was like, okay, is Giannis, because he was all arms and legs, and he was all just this like loping, rangy guy who was growing into his body. Some people would say, is Giannis explosive enough? And you would hear that a little bit with Scottie Barnes as well. But when you get on an NBA floor with that much spacing and that much room, and he's kind of had this flip, this switch of his mentality, and then added the mid-range game and now perfected the floater, and like a little bit of mid post turnaround, I think you're starting to see, you know, the the results of that. So yeah, he's he's a complete stud. And some people you talk to in the league had him number one. Uh Whoa! You know, they, yeah, like he was he was a polarizing guy. Some people say, Oh, he's never gonna score the ball. And then some of these kind of outside the box thinkers who are all about length and versatility were like, Yeah, Scotty Barnes is is my number one guy. Um,
0: so I'm very happy for his success. He's a lovely, lovely human being. You know what's a commonality that a lot of these rookies I like have, and we're going to talk about Josh Giddy and Franz Wagner in this context. The Raptors use him as a screener in pick and roll a lot. And you only do that with guys who are non-centers, who you have faith can read the game and make plays when the floor is moving around. Like when you catch the ball after setting a screen... Everything is going to be in flux. And if a team is putting you in that position as a rookie, that is a huge vote of confidence in both your finishing ability, but also your feel and your vision. And like this dude is just a basketball player. They put him in a bunch of situations. They'll put him in the post against a mismatch, not to score, but just to let him read the floor from there and make a pass out of it. It's just a basketball player. And another thing, a, a coach I was talking to last week, and this coach was talking about Josh Giddy, was very, was very excited about Josh Giddey, a, a, not a Thunder coach, another team. Uh, obviously Josh Giddey's passing vision is A-plus for a rookie, but he said the guy seems to like defense, and he had a couple vertical plays that this coach saw at the rim. Just arms up, and again, like, he's not a center. He's not going to block shots. But just at 6'6", six, six, get your arms up, protect the rim if you're around. And this coach was like, man, I love wings who bring a little bit of that. I love it. It helps your defense so much. Scotty Barnes is going to have a whole lot of that uh, on defense. And just... Just really fun to watch. By the way, just while we're on the Raptors, you know who's number one among rookies in almost every advanced stat that there is? Is is it Delano Banton? It is indeed Delano Banton. Uh, I don't know what that dude is. He's shooting... I like to... Sometimes when I'm trying to be happy about a player, I'll use the percentage even though I know the raw numbers are very small. He's shooting 38% on threes and everyone said he couldn't shoot. He's three for eight on threes. It doesn't sound that impressive when you say three for eight. But this dude... I don't know what you can tell me in like a minute about the draft lead up to him, but he is gigantic at point guard, like gigantic. If he's guarding a pick and roll ball handler on defense, and he goes over the screen and he has his arms out, there is no pass that dude can make. Like that ball handler is in jail. The pocket pass isn't going to be there. The lob isn't going to be there. He's going to deflect the kick out pass. You're just because he's just enormous. He pushes the pace like a madman. He I I. Nick Nurse was on it from the beginning. He was like, You guys are asking me about Goran Dragic not playing. Mm -hmm. You should be asking me about this Banton kid not playing. Give me the 30 second book on this guy coming into the league.
1: Yeah, kind of a a windy path, to be honest. I first saw him at the BioSteel All Canadia game in in Toronto and was like, Who who is that kid? You know, he's got size and length, and he he was almost playing like a, a playmaking wing point forward type. Um, they, oh, yeah, you know, he's got some talent, but, you know, maybe some academic questions. Um, we don't know about his eligibility, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Ends up at, at Western Kentucky. So goes to Western Kentucky, averages three, three points a game. And you saw some of those moments, the flashes, but, you know, shot 21% from three, kind of still finding himself, you know, offensively. Then he transfers, goes to Nebraska, um, sits out. And then, you know, during his draft eligible season, they used him almost at point guard. And you saw some of those early flashes of like, you know, near triple double games, um, facilitating, seeing over the top, making plays defensively with his length. But then as the season went on, um, started to struggle a little bit more, uh, wasn't shooting the ball well, I think in the mid 20s again. And so with him, it was almost like the beauties in the eye of the beholder right? Like here's this big wing who can do all these fun things. And if you like that versatility like the Raptors do, then they're like, okay, this guy's a diamond in the rough. And then other teams would say, well, no one's going to put the ball in his hands. And if the ball is in his hands, how is he going to make shots when he's off the ball? He can't shoot the ball, right? And so I think you've got to give them a lot of credit um, for just kind of seeing how he would fit in their system and how you could use a guy like that and valuing his strengths as opposed to just killing his weaknesses. And so I think the fact that he's shooting the ball at a better clip um, on top of some of the players.
0: 38%, Mike, 38%. Just pretend it's high volume for me.
1: 38%. We'll take it. And it goes, okay, so here's his numbers. On his career, 160 attempts, 20%, 60% from the line, right? So this is dating back high school, um, college, all that. So if this is real on this very small sample,
0: then I think I think you've got something. Um, but Obviously, I, I, I'm, I'm going to bank on the three of eight. That's real. He's going to be a career 38% three-point shooter. Bank it. I'm in. But he's good. I mean, he's a he's a basketball player. And that's what I, I really
1: appreciate what they're doing is they're like, listen, if you're 6'8 to 6'9 and you can play basketball, come on. Come on down. We'll, we'll turn you into something. And, and well,
0: uh, I, I think they got a guy. They justifiably in Toronto have faith in – first of all, we're only drafting guys that we know are going to work. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're not, and not just work work, but like A-plus workers. You combine that desire with our coaching and whatever else we have, we think we can turn a non-shooter into a passable shooter. It mm-hmm. happened with Siakam. It happened with Ananobi. Maybe it happens with this guy. Maybe it happens with Scotty Barnes. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats Headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash giftfinder today. That's macy's.com slash giftfinder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge, and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call or click Granger.com or just stop by let's go to the magic um, who have two of the top eight picks in the draft Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs. We will start with Franz Wagner, who would be first team all rookie if the season ended today. 14 points a game on 47% shooting, 39% from threes, top five or six in every advanced stat. And you just you mentioned a basketball player. Like he's not going to be the primary ball handler for this team, but he can be on a possession here or there. He's a really good secondary ball handler, catching up, catching it off screens in the corner. He has a really nice knack for kind of just driving toward the rim and and hitting hook shot like getting into a guy's body and hitting hook shots and floaters over them moves his feet really well on defense um, I'm very interested to see the Chuma Okiki friends Wagner 3 4 combination for the Magic I don't know how Jonathan Isaac fits into that and in their 9000 centers by the way it's a miracle that Banton did not end up on the Magic given their proclivity for long guys who can't shoot I don't know how he slipped through the Magic's grasp um I I Franz Wagner he's a smart cutter like the the guy's just he's a good basketball player right now he has been easily their best rookie we'll talk about Suggs in a second I I don't know like how much I I, I mean I don't know if he'll ever be like a 20 point score in the NBA or what but it's it's too early to really put ceilings on any of these guys but he's good now and I don't it doesn't nothing about it seems fluky to me if the jumper is real nothing about this seems unsustainable no i
1: think it's all sustainable and and a lot of it is a product of his experience at such a young age it's funny franz was so we had him pretty high all year i think in the top 10 most of the year and he was the one guy who people would say you know i I, i'm not not so much teams but um you know outside voices whatever i don't really see it with fran why do you guys like Franz so much why is franz so high on your board what does he do really well And what he did really well is he was one of the best players on one of the best teams in the country at 19 years old, you know, and, and so he can come in right away and he knows how to play. He knows how to defend. He knows how to play off the ball. He's very efficient. He can score 20 points using like nine dribbles, you know, and every coach wants that. Right. And then his size, I mean, the funny thing with him is I, when I, when I first saw him, he was six, four. And he was like 14, gangly. You knew he had an older brother. And then every year you just waited for him to grow and grow and grow and grow because he had these high hips and he was kind of awkward, had a little like hitch in his giddy up. And now, I mean, he's like pushing 6'10", you know? So I think now he's just starting to grow into his body and become this guy who's super versatile and can play anywhere on the floor. But I think it's his experience, man. Like he was playing Euro Cup minutes Uh, German BBL minutes when he was 16, 17 years old uh, with Alba Berlin. You know, when I first saw him at that tournament, when he was 14, that was an under 18 tournament. So he's been coached by really good coaches, obviously playing for Jawan Howard and then can come in right away, defend, make shots and make the right play. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, like the ceiling, you know what I mean? Is he ever going to be, you know, your number two or three scoring option? Maybe not, Um, but he defends, he moves the ball, he can shoot. And he's got a
0: little bit of, fire to him oh that, not yeah. a little bit not a little bit he will he is a sneering wants to eat when he dunked on minnesota in that game i almost fell out of my chair he likes to go at guys yes like his brother i mean
1: and, and but he has no offense to mo but a little bit more game to back it up right and so uh he, he's got that type of mentality i think he's a killer and let's be honest like he's been the better of the two picks you know by far up until this point
0: Oh, it's not close. We're going to talk about Suggs in a second because I'm I'm very curious about what, what exactly he is. But I will say I feel bad for Mo Wagner, and I feel bad in the same way but less so for Lonzo Ball because we in the media can't help but compare siblings. Like even when I'm talking to like front office guys and coaches about LaMelo, they'll be like, man, he's so much better than Lonzo. They'll say that. And I'm like, well, who cares if he's better than Lonzo? Like why do we have to compare him to Lonzo? Why can't we compare him to like other other people other than Lonzo? Poor Mo Wagner. For The third 3rd string center on the magic. Robin Lopez just, I guess, is just going to Disney World. I don't really know what Robin <laughs> Lopez is doing other than working out those guys in practice, filming skits with Stuff the Magic Dragon about how they have buried their beef and are now friends. I can't. By the way, he's going to turn on Stuffed the Magic. It's happening. Like, that's scripted into their, their, <laughs> their relationship. He's going to turn on them violently. That's how it's I don't know what, what else he's doing. But, yeah, I love – Franz is just going to be a good player. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he might not average – he might not – is he going to be the number two guy on a great team? I don't think he'll ever be the number one guy. He's number two. That's probably optimistic, I guess. But he's going to help good teams his entire Mm -hmm. career. That's just the kind of player he is.
1: And that's what they needed, right? Like they needed somebody to come in and and help, you know, create more winning plays and winning culture and winning habits and, and all that. And that's exactly what he does and has always done. And he's still young. I mean, he's the age of a lot of – he's the age of some, like, freshmen, you know. So uh, I I think he has an incredibly bright future.
0: So this is where I need you, Mike. I need your expertise a lot right now. Okay. Because I need you to tell me what Jalen Suggs is because he leads the magic in usage rate, which means he shoots a lot and he misses a lot right now. He's shooting 31%. 22% Twenty-two percent on threes, thirteen of fifty-nine, like a lot of threes. Five of twenty-seven on pull-up threes does not look like a comfortable shot for him. He's last or next to last among rotation rookies in almost every advanced stat that there is. And yet I look at him and I'm like, yeah, he missed. And he missed he just missed again. Uh, it's another miss. Like I, I get it. He has a certain physicality to him and speed that I like, I get what they're going for. Like, is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? No, he's just a guard. Just a good guard. Just kind of a do-it-all guard. Obviously, his sort of leadership and, and intangibles were, were a well-known part of the Jalen Suggs package. But I guess what I'm asking you is, what is this guy going to do at an A- minus to A level in the NBA? Anything? Or is he just going to be like jack-of-all-trades, okay at some stuff, assuming he shoots better at some point?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there were a lot of people, uh, it's funny, like a a lot of kind of people in the college basketball world who, because he was, I mean, he was unbelievable, right? Like for Gonzaga, he made game winning shots. He had triple doubles. He was, he was a complete stud. And there were people who would ask, why is he, why do you have K number one and not, not Jalen Suggs? Like that was a real, not so much amongst front offices, but um, that was a thought at, at one point. Uh, And I was a little bit hesitant with that because when we saw Jalen at team USA and in different events, he was more like a utility guard. Like I think he started the year in maybe the teens or twenties for us. You know, he was this, he was like a souped up Josh Hart almost like really tough defense flies around cutter, you know, did all the little things playing off of other stars. So then when he did what he did at Gonzaga, it took me a while to recalibrate and be like, Whoa, like, okay, I guess this can happen when, when you put the ball in his hands. Um, so I comped him to more of, like, at his best, if it were to
0: hit, like a Drew Holiday, okay, where he's going to defend. Wait, wait. Fantastic outcome at the number four pick. If that's what it is, fantastic. That's fantastic. a great That's a great comp. Obviously, what Drew Holiday does on an A level is defense, right? Offense is sort of a B across the board for him, but defense is an AA+. Plus and that's where i that's
1: where i see um suggs now okay he's struggling a little bit out of the gates but defensively like he has i think he has a chance to be pretty special um just because he's strong he's quick and he cares and he has great instincts off the ball he's a little bit reckless at times you know he's got that he's a football player
0: like and it's i think it's so funny you say that because I was watching one of their games over the weekend because this is what I do on my weekends. I watch the Orlando Magic play basketball. Uh, and he had a, dry, he had a few drives. His body type is like a compact running back body type. Like his wingspan is not very big. I think it's 6'6 six, six wingspan. But he had a couple of drives where he, he like, one, he collided midair with Doug McDermott. And Doug McDermott fell backwards. Jalen Suggs made the shot and talked to him. You could see he was like, oh, you're going to challenge me in midair? He reminds me of a football player. And he, he was, an
1: unbelievable quarterback. Uh, I mean, like an NFL type of player. And so you see some of those instincts in like his, when it's scramble situations, like in full court, I mean, he, he threads the needle. He had some major plays like that in, in college. And then off the ball defensively, you'll see some of those kind of instinctual plays that, you know, you, you get when you play football, but I say Drew Holiday because, okay, defensively, you can't punish him in the post. He's strong. He's hard to move. He'll blow up handoffs. He'll fight over screens. He'll do those little things and gain more experience doing that in the future. And then offensively, I'm not sure, and we're learning this now, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be a guy where it's like, okay, you're our full-time on-ball guy. Like He just doesn't have that type of really handle or pace, in, in my opinion. Like Right now, you can see very clearly, it's all one speed. It's either like, go, 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 I'm going to run through you, or slow, slow, slow. And he's finding how to adjust to NBA length and athleticism. So like we've seen with Holiday playing alongside Middleton and Giannis, where offensively, yeah, he can bring the ball up and do some things, but he's probably going to be at his best as a catch-and-shoot guy and then playing second-side pick-and-roll or or whatever it is. But what Drew's gotten really good at is being able to play in slow motion in the paint and those big step finishes. and, And he has that kind of calm demeanor about him on top of being this, like, unbelievable defender. And so I think that's what Suggs needs to develop because right now he's just
0: a little bit erratic. They got something interesting going on down there. I don't know what it is or what it will be. But I know I'm interested to watch a lot of their players. And Isaac hasn't even come back yet. Fultz, I'm a little bit less interested in, but I'm still interested. Um, There's four other guys I want to talk about. So let's go rapid fire. Uh, Chris Duarte, second among rookies in scoring. 16 a game on 45% shooting. 42% from three. 13 of 31 on pull-up threes, which is as many as like Jason Tatum and Tyler Hero have. He's just jacking off the dribble. Just solid secondary ball handler, does a lot of things well with the ball, has a good sort of change of pace, feel, moves his feet pretty well on defense, hasn't gotten to the line much, 15 free throws so far is not a lot. Everyone sort of pegged him as he's 24, he's ready, expect him to contribute right away. He has on both ends of the floor, cuts well, got a backdoor cut. He cuts also well when he's not involved in the pick and roll, but he's on the perimeter. And his guy sinks in a little bit to help. He times those cuts to the basket really well. Is there anything about this that has surprised you? Or is this like, we knew what this guy was. This is what he is. He, he's he been elevated to a starting role because of all Indiana's injuries. And he's frankly been maybe their most consistent player. I don't know. Like really consistent. Yeah, he's a
1: stud, uh, and, and it hasn't been a, a huge surprise to me. I think we all saw him as one of the most ready-made guys. You knew what he did. He can really, really shoot the ball. You knew he can handle the ball. He's an underrated passer. You mentioned the cutting has been really impressive. Um, you, you like That's a guy who's been coached and who has played – at a high level in the Pac-12 under Dana Altman, like you can see those tendencies. Um, you know he's like a he's like a Dominican Devin Booker at times, like just with the way he gets to his spots, the balance on those pull-ups, like he's he's really really smooth. So I thought he would have kind of like a Desmond Bain type of impact. Um, you know, different body type, not the exact type of game. Probably has a little more with the ball, but just as a veteran guy who's played at a high level, who can come in, make shots, play a little bit of second side pick and roll in. Defense defend and he, he's done all those things yeah he's
0: exactly as advertised even better to me in terms of his sort of like he bobs and weaves around screens keeps defenders off balance they they have him catch off a screen and then go into a pick and roll he's very good at that uh as advertised let's go we should probably do the number two pick in the draft jalen green 13 and a half points a game three assists three rebounds, 35 percent shooting 29 percent on threes Ugh. 20 of 70 uh from three as many assists at 30 assists, 29 turnovers. He's again in this low efficiency, high raw numbers um, bucket. But as you said earlier, whoo, the explosiveness is, he is as advertised. I mean, he, in a couple of recent games, he blew away Anthony Davis on a switch. Like goodbye. You got no shot layup. And he, was bringing the ball up in semi-transition on the left wing in another game, on the left sideline, and then went diagonally to his right and accelerated as he made that direction change. And it was like, oh my God. He just dusted everyone and hammered in this dunk. It's like, talk about downhill. Like, that's a cliche, like guys get downhill. This guy gets downhill. He's tall. He can handle the ball. He's got some good passing feel. I'm just chalking up the inefficiency to he gets to shoot a lot on a bad team. I think this is about what expectations should have been for the first month of his rookie season. Um, Has anything struck you as surprising in either direction?
1: No, I think the same. I mean, some of the passing flashes have been kind of a pleasant surprise, to be honest. And I think, you know, continuing to show that maybe he can moonlight, you know, as a lead guard at times is going to help him because really he's almost best like guarding point guards um
0: just because he has that that wiry frame you know like he skinny that's in my notes he gets he can get around screens on the ball He get when he knows they're coming he gets skinny he gets around them and he keeps fighting like he has an appetite for that kind of defense which for a young scorer is encouraging and he's long enough where he can you up from behind trying to pass the ball and stuff yeah he can you up in those situations
1: and listen off the ball he's a mess defensively um if you put him in the post he's really going to struggle you know all those things i mean I, I i went to the ignite practices early in the year and they had a they had a play called baby and they would just call out baby and it was basically just to get Jalen iso'd in the mid post and they would just go at him and he hated it he if you listen to this he's gonna hate that i'm even telling that story um but he has a little bit of a little bit of toughness in realness to him that I really like. Like anytime I would sit down and talk basketball with him, he's not a great interview. He kind of mumbles, he doesn't really speak up, and every time I would leave and just think like that's a real dude. You know, and, and so I have a lot of respect, um, not only for his game, but you know, the way he, he approaches things. I mean, if you watch that guy in a one on one workout, like y- you can talk yourself into the fact that he's going to be, you know, one of the best players in this draft. So I've always said he's going to lead the league in scoring one day. Um, I, I really believe that. And it's, he's not the same player as Anthony Edwards, but it is some of those similar, like some of the similarities in terms of strengths and weaknesses. Like he's not always going to be efficient. He's going to get lost off the ball at times. He's going to make some boneheaded plays,
0: but when he gets going, oh my God. I think he'll be an okay three point shooter at worst. Like I know 29% sounds ugly, but when you watch the shots he's taking, I mean, he's taking really long pull up threes, difficult challenged pull up threes, like shots that You could argue maybe he shouldn't even be taking now, but they look smooth. His form looks good. He has good arc, and he's so tall he can get them off. And you mentioned the passing. Like, he has threaded a lot of pocket passes to his big men that have been really, really slick and well-timed and impressive. If anything, I think he's kind of addicted to making pocket passes. Like, he doesn't hit the weak side shooters as much. But Mm -hmm. given his height, and he clearly reads the floor, like, that stuff will come – I, I've been impressed with his passing and, um, yeah, his explosiveness is. His handle can get a little loose. Like his height, he can dribble a little too upright. Like he loves snaking the pick and roll, which means you go around the screen and then you crisscross the other way. And he doesn't really, he doesn't quite realize that a he's too uptight or too upright rather, and b his guy's still right behind him and will poke the ball away. Like Avery Bradley picked him a couple times. So like, but that will come. He's been about what what I've wanted. He even got an offensive foul where he um, he did the Chris Paul thing around a mm-hmm. pick and roll where he stopped with a guy, trapped a guy on his hip, and then kind of shoulder-checked him a little bit to open up space, and he got whistled for it. I was like, I love that offensive foul. I love it. I love that he's in position to commit that offensive foul because it's a smart, slow-the-game-down wait for the defense to reveal some hole somewhere. And yeah, he shoulder-checked the dude. I love it. Loved every second of it. Let's move on. That's Jalen Green. Two other guys, rapid fire. I mentioned Josh Giddy before. 10 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds on 40% shooting. 7 of 27 on 3 is not great. Um, but solid advanced stats for a rookie playing on a team with very little shooting around him. Obviously, the passing vision is the highlight here. Just the one-handed with either hand slingshots to the opposite corner on target on time. The guy sees the floor at an a level for a rookie and really maybe even a level for a veteran. They use him as a screener. Some for Shea, uh, who, by the way, Oh my God, shake. Gilders- Alexander. He's, he's had a couple off games by his standards recently, but he looks like he is leaning all the way into being a superstar offensive player. Um, and, and again, you don't, you don't use Josh Giddy as a screener who kind of flares out for threes unless you have a, a faith in his ability to read the game. Nice floater. Keeps guys. He does the thing where, again, he gets guys on his back and he knows my floater's a threat. And if I fake it, I might have that drop off to the big guy over here. He's manipulating defenses already. What, is, what has surprised you? And, and what is he going to be in like three, four years? Like what was the optimistic Josh Giddy vision?
1: Well, first of all, he's huge.
0: You know, I I think that's part
1: of something that you almost underrate until you see him next to other NBA guys. Like he almost looks like he's playing in slow motion, um, but he can get everywhere he wants because he's so smart and he's so big. Now, I want to see what happens when, okay, yeah, it's early season when people are going under everything. Like, can can he make enough? Right. Because then it's already starting it's already starting and, and then those things that you talked about where he's keeping you on his back and he's slowing down you don't you don't have that opportunity unless it's another rescreen and and you can really get to that spot but that, at that point you're eating a lot of clock right so i think the shooting is going to be something that he needs to continue to improve that was always kind of the question um but you know is he like a big secondary you know like he's a point guard in, in some sense right but he's not someone that you want to hand the ball to and just say, Hey, go get us a bucket because that's not really his game. That's why he plays really well with Shea. So, I think he has a chance to be one of the best passers in the NBA, um, just with his height and the way that he sees the floor. Uh, so, is he a you know high level starter? Um, that's kind of how I see him. Is is he going to be an All Star, uh, triple double type of guy? I think that's going to depend on if he addresses the the shooting piece. But the passing is really fun. The way he processes the game, like the, and, and it's like the accuracy of it that's so ridiculous. Oh, right you know?
0: here, right on my hands every Boom. time.
1: So yeah, he's just, and he's got, you know, he has a little bit of arrogance to him that I think is going to bode well for him. Um, You know, I talked to Joe Ingles a bunch about him. He's kind of helped him throughout the process. And, you know, that was a natural comparison in some ways because Joe was not really this big time shooter at that age. Um, He was not, honestly, not a, not a great shooter at at Josh's age and then evolved into one. Um, But Joe would even tell you, josh is, is far ahead of him at the same age
0: well and if there's anyone who's going to teach you a little bit of trash talking arrogance it's joe ingles who is laughing at people all the time uh, <laughs> on the floor i like that josh giddy is daring with his passes he'll dare some interior passes that other guys would just sort of default to kickouts. was like you know what we're at the rim let me try and get something at the rim i'm a fan um last guy davion mitchell uh 10 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 39% shooting, 28% on threes, 12 of 43. So he's, he's getting them up. Defensively, I mean, it just makes me uncomfortable watching him defend guys on the ball. He, he almost, even just last night against Indiana, he almost forced two eight-second violations. He almost picked guys multiple times, like 40 feet from the rim. He forced two turnovers where his guy was basically just like, I give up. I'm going to heave this ball across the court and somebody else stole it. Pretty impressive for a guy who only has a 6'4 wingspan. And you feel that when he's closing out on shooters. Like, they're not deterred by him when he's closing out. Offensively, obviously, the shooting is the question. He doesn't get to the rim much. He's only attempted 11 free throws. But he's been a useful player for them already. He's played a lot of crunch time. And he's sort of the bridge that minimizes how often they have to play the fox healed halliburton three guard lineup which is going to bleed points on defense what's what's up with davion mitchell what do we think so far the defense is completely as advertised i mean he he's a film
1: junkie uh you know i i was able to do some film session stuff with him and i mean he he's you thought you were talking to like an nba head coach The way that he understands tendencies, the way that he understands getting under screens, getting over screens, um, you know, standing up bigs on switches like he's short, but you cannot move this guy. I mean, he is like a cinder block. Um, And he has that type of strength and and balance. So I think we're seeing that on the defensive end of the floor. I think he's going to be you know, one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA for a long, long time. And the
0: whole energy of the game changes when he comes in the game. The entire energy of it's just one of those guys. You can see it. The entire Kings team is like, oh, look at what this guy's doing. I got to step my game up, too. You can feel it.
1: And he's earned the respect of everyone else in the NBA already because of that because of the way that that he defends he's he I always said he was the best on ball defender I've ever evaluated and in terms of technique in terms of effort um so I think that's a no-brainer now you mentioned it's going to be the shooting piece um and it took him time to get comfortable you know from the college line and I think it's just the same thing right now from the NBA line but he has had some games where it's like okay four for five from three step back he's not afraid. No, he's not afraid. I think he's gonna be fine as a shooter. You know, the I I was a big hey, he's gonna be fine just because he shot sixty five percent from three. I mean, from the free throw line. You know, in college doesn't mean he can't shoot. He made huge shots all NCAA tournament his entire career. So I I think he's gonna be fine there. He's even added things he really didn't have in college, like. I think he took like five floaters or something his last year. And now he's we're seeing a little bit of the hey, put you in jail, and then I'm gonna ha- I have the float game. Now it's okay, can I get some to on? A lot tons. of that, right?
0: He's shooting 45% on floaters. And if anything, you see this with a lot of these young guards, rookie guards. You mentioned before Suggs dealing with the length and speed of NBA defenses. One way the shock of that can manifest with these guys is they turn the corner. And they have a runway towards the help defender. And they pull up like way too early. Like Mitchell has launched some floaters literally from the elbow. Like exactly on the elbow where it's almost half jump shot, half floaters. Like, oh man, that's too long. And if you had one more dribble, the roll man might be there. The corner shooter might be there. And by the way, he sees those passes And he can also – he's a creative finisher. Like he had – I don't know who they were playing. He had a finish in one recent game where he turned the corner. No, someone went under a pick against him. And he beat him to the other side of the pick, was going left, gathered the ball one-handed lefty so that the defense couldn't reach him, and flicked in this layup off the glass with nice soft touches. Like, damn, that is – that's not easy. Yeah, he he, and he's obsessive about his work. Like he used to –
1: I don't remember if it was during his redshirt year or his last year at Baylor, but they had this like 4 a.m. club where, where he would literally go at, at 4 a.m. He watched every single ball screen he'd ever been in in his career in games and practice at, at Baylor. Every single ball. Like he he's a complete junkie. So I always thought... Okay, we talked about, you know, you'll see like a little bit of Donovan Mitchell when he was in college at that level, right? Or we talked about, you know, some of the defensive stuff being like, is it Drew Holiday-like? Or I think Kyle Lowry is a good, like, outcome for his career. You know, a guy who makes a ton of winning plays, who's incredibly smart, who improves as a perimeter shooter, and guys just hate
0: playing against you gotta go to LAX, so go to LAX. Apologies to Alper and Shengun, we will get to you. I've been, en- I've enjoyed your play so far. There are just too many rookies. There are too many Mike Schmitz. Maybe I'll see you this week, maybe not. But it's good to see you on the podcast. Your work is second to none. Thank you for giving us some time. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. Shout out to Alper and Shengun.